0: In this episode, we talk about female sexuality in the media with Hannah Ewens, Hannah Vanderpeer, Sharon Darleywell, and Annie Lord, hosted by the Tits for Tap presenters, Serafina Kenny, and Jess Warmsley, Chair of Women in Media this year. We hope you enjoy. And it'd be really nice if we could go around and introduce our panelists for today. Um, and just tell a bit about what you do and your role and, you know, what your day involves really. Um, If we start with Hannah Ewens, then Sharon, and then Annie, and then we'll go to the the, the Hannah at the
1: end. Hi, I'm a features editor at Vice um, and I do a bit of freelancing myself, like writing for different publications. Um, Most of what I do at Vice, like I'll try and do a bit of writing mostly on like be like lifestyle stuff so that like sometimes covers sex and dating um and commissioning a lot of stuff as well like it'll be a lot of like looking out on twitter and reading a lot of new stuff to find new writers that we'd want to work with um and just thinking about things that would be um appropriate for our audience so like especially a lot of the stuff we're thinking about at the moment is like we're thinking about young people like teenagers and young people and graduates who are just feeling you know, really shit about the pandemic and like what would speak to that kind of audience who are just feeling really isolated and frustrated. Um, and just like entertain, speak to them, but also like sometimes entertain them. Um, so yeah, it's a mix of like editing and commissioning, editing and writing. So it's a bit of a mix.
2: Hi, hi, uh, can you hear me? Uh, so I'm Sharon Daliwell. I'm editor of the South Asian magazine, Burnt Rudy, which is a platform for South Asians to have like a voice to talk about things like mental health and sexuality amongst like loads of other things. Um, I'm also the creator of O Queer Cupid, which is a queer speed dating and comedy night. Um, and also the, the director of uh, Middlesex Pride, which was meant to happen last year, but it's happening this year, uh, instead. Um, I'm also a writer and author, um, and talk a lot about sexuality. Um, I have an OnlyFans as well, and I'm just basically just, I literally just talk about sex all the time, basically. I think that's why I've been asked on this panel.
0: <laughs> Maybe the to Annie
3: yeah um can you guys hear me all right <laughs> um um yes so uh my name's annie lords and um i'm from leeds and i'm a writer um and i have uh i'm vogue's dating columnist um so the column when i got it the editor olivia marx basically said to try and make sure it's um, experiential and not just me ranting about loving, being single sort of. So a bit like in Vice where they do like experience features like I went out and did this thing, um, trying to, you know, if in the pandemic, people are sexting more because they can't meet up with people um, trying sexting or maybe like when people can go on holiday again, like having a, trying to like have a holiday romance and um, yeah, and just fit it around actions in the world rather than um like opinion piece sort of thing.
0: Amazing, going to Hannah. Hi so I'm Hannah Vanderpeer
4: and I am the staff writer, sex and relationships staff writer for a new publication called The Breakdown. Um, because the publication is uh, rooted in mental health, um, a lot of what I focus on is kind of how sex, navigating sex when you have mental health issues, and how sex can affect your mental health in turn. Um, I've done things about like tantric sex, how that can calm you down, especially if you have a psychosexual disorder like vaginismus, um, which I've also written about firsthand for uh, publications like HuffPost. Um, and I also freelance. I've been freelancing since 2019. Um, I recently wrote an article for Cosmo about um, how you can navigate sex as a survivor of long COVID.
5: Great, you guys are all really interesting people. Um, so how did you guys get your current roles? How did you end up talking about sex and dating? Was there a specific, what, what like, did you want to from the get go or did you sort of fall into it? um let's go for Hannah Vanderpeth first
4: um yeah so it's a funny one for me i mean i i have my kind of roots in blogging um so i started off as a blogger back when i was in i think it was towards the my the end of my first year at uni um and i wrote about it sounds so silly now and i say it every time i'm asked but i i used to write about women's issues um so i would write about like going on the pill um know just just general things about sex but not too i kind of like was careful to not go too explicit because i didn't want to embarrass myself um but through that i kind of grew a little bit braver and um started talking about things that personally affected me so like i said uh, vaginismus um and once I talked about it was actually my virgin, vaginismus article that kind of kicked everything off for me because through that um, I received my first ever professional professional paid commission uh, for HuffPost and I featured in a short film, BBC short film about vaginismus and I kind of realised that, that I wanted to focus on uh, things like sexual wellness because I, I felt like I was helping people kind of through um, my platform um, so <clears throat> I kind of concentrated on my freelance work up until about December last year, um, when I was offered a, a freelance um, position at the Breakdown. And I guess they were so impressed with my work <laughs> uh, that they offered me a permanent position.
0: It looks like you already I'm
4: still, there we go, I'm not mute anymore.
1: <laughs> um, right, let's go for Holly Ewans next. Um, well, with regards to like um, writing about sex and dating, I think it literally. So I got my my first job was at Dazed, um, and I was like staff writer there. And then I was junior editor at, um, at Vice, and then I think it was probably when I got like it's probably when I got promoted to features editor that I started doing more sex and dating stuff. And I think I literally just started writing about that as opposed to like culture stuff, which is more my area, just because I was like dating so much, like it was just, I was going, you know, going through like a big binge of it. And I just thought like, this is just fun. And like, I feel like no one's writing about it in a fun way that really speaks to um, mine and my friend's experience. So um, myself and like a few of the other girls at work, we'd sometimes like write things together. So we'd do like fun lists about like, um, I'm trying to think of one now, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but just like, um, all the girls that you've like been on a date with or like all the guys, all the dates that you've had with a guy in your early 20s or just those kind of like fun lists that people might not necessarily like share, but like they're very kind of clickbaity. But then we'd make them quite fun and funny, and just speak about things that we'd been getting up to recently. Um, so I think it was kind of more about like just wanting to have a laugh. <laughs> that was essentially why I started writing about that issue. Well, that's cool. Um, so, i'll get
5: you next
2: hi um so I would talk about uh dating in I've written a couple of articles I think I did one for metro um I think it was metro um about dating while bisexual um because I actually came out not that long ago um I've been saying three years for a while now I think it's still three years maybe it's four now um so I was like experiencing dating apps um as a bisexual person Um, and so I was just, I kind of like started to explore that realm a lot more. Um, And then I got involved with, I got involved with uh, OnlyFans and started to create content. And then I noticed that with Bent Ruddy and the kind of conversations that I was having, uh, there was a lot of talk about basically not being able to talk about sex and the shame that's involved in that um, uh, for South Asian women. and so I've actually, I'm writing a book at the moment. And in one of the chapters, it says, it talks about like the shame that South Asian women have when it comes to sex. Um, and so I've kind of been working towards kind of like trying to destigmatize that. And I think being really open about having an OnlyFans is kind of, I guess, a way of like trying to do that as well as, you know, make money. Um, and so I think my process of doing it is quite different because it did start with like a couple of articles about bisexuality and then just turned into this whole like we need to kind of like destigmatize the shame that south asian women feel around sex well
5: wow. um annie do you think last but not
3: least um when i started I, I had done like um a couple of articles about dating over like um my career or whatever but um the the column started because I wrote an article for Vice called um for that um column called The DM That Changed My Life um because me and my ex have like five years have broken up um so I wrote that co- um that in that column and then um it went like a little bit viral and then Olivia basically saw it and was like oh do you want to go for a coffee and was like oh um, you should pitch us um at Vogue and then I couldn't think of any any ideas. I think I sent a bunch of pictures in, but they were all a bit like not quite right. Um, but then she got back to me, um, sort of at the start of the coronavirus saying that they were thinking of having a dating columnist. Um, and that a couple of people I think had turned it down. Um, Cause I guess it's quite like an investment with, you know, all your personal life, whatever. Um, and then she just said, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And then I wrote one up and she liked it. Um, but it's weird because I never I never thought that I would end up writing a lot about dating or my sexuality or whatever. But weirdly, the first, when I was at uni, I had like a column in the uni paper and that was actually on sex and dating. So I feel like I've kind of gone all the way around again. That <laughs> really well to our
0: next question, which is asking Annie and Hannah Vanderpitt, like you write a lot about yourself and your own experiences. And we wonder like, is that difficult? And has it changed the way you view your own
3: sexuality? um yeah I think like I definitely make sense of um my thoughts by writing them down you know I, you know like when you're in school and they say what they I swear they do a test and like what kind of learner you are and there's a kinetic learner and a blah, blah blah anyway if there's like a learner who you can't like think of things unless you put them down um like as in I'd send a sort of angry letter to someone and not send it to make sense of why I felt that way and I think writing the column and spending so much time thinking about um certain yeah feelings like for instance the last one was about not being able to say what i want during sex has helped me make sense of a lot of stuff just by spending however long it takes to write a thousand words on it um
4: sorry (laughs) for me personally um it's been quite an eye-opening experience because as i said like when i started off blogging and i started off talking about things that necessarily I would have been too embarrassed to talk about in the past um i kind of i kind of would write it out there and put it out there and kind of just not think about it and then i'd have i mean quite a lot of the girls in my class used to read my blog um not to toot my own horn or anything but um they would like get in contact with me i started getting like dms um from girls that i knew at uni saying I have this too and I thought I was really abnormal and I'm really happy that you've spoken about it. And it's kind of made me realize through, especially with my work at The Breakdown because it's very research based. And I think when you write about things like sexual disorders and uh, mental health, you need to do a lot of research towards it um, because you wanna make sure that what you're putting out there is factual. And it's made me realize that actually a lot of the issues that I write about, like, I mean, I could, th- I'm sure I could think of other examples, but vaginismus is the one that sticks in my head. Um, like vaginismus are totally normal. And it's made me realize that actually there is no abnormal in this sense, like everyone's different um, and we all have different experiences. And yeah, that's pretty much how it's helped me.
5: And um, so Sharon and Hannah, Ewan, sorry. Um, You both seem quite keen to make sure there's discussions around LGBTQ plus sexuality Um, with your work, because I know Hannah, you've written a long read about trans issues. Sharon, you've obviously set up Oh Queer Cupid, which is an LGBT speed dating night. Um, so why do you think that's so important, sort of focus on that aspect of sexuality and how do you think we can sort of improve that in the media? Quite a big question, I know, sorry. <laughs> um, Sharon, do you want
2: to go first? Yeah, sure. Um... I think, I think because I, so I set up Okaway Cupid uh, because I was single. (laughs) Um, And then ended up just being the host of it. but i kind of found it really important to like have people of different genders and sexualities kind of get together and be in the same room because i found that there was a lot of kind of like separation between like you know so gays would have their night lesbians would have their nights and so on right and i was just like you know to help build community you know maybe we should just get everyone together and under the guise of speed dating it was kind of like let's build community and then you know if you find someone that you want to sleep with then great you know um And so I kind of wanted to open that side of that conversation. But Mm. what it also helped do is I guess it kind of, it helped open conversations about what sex is for queer people as well. Um, And the kind of like, I guess, attitudes towards it. I I guess within the actual queer community, there's still a lot of like, you know, a lot of people still have questions, you know. Um, I still get some weird questions about like, you know, being bisexual and like penetration and things like that Um, and like you know my expectations from queer sex with women compared to men or non-binary people um, which I find really strange because you know firstly Mm. why are you asking Um, but like also it's it's a very kind of complex kind of world I guess to navigate and it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, you have that within the queer community as well as outside of it. And I'm kind of less bothered about like, you know, having that conversation with straight people because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, you can say what you want, but they will still put everything down to like, you know, sexual activity, Um, not everything and not all straight people, they're not old, but you, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's quite difficult to like, you know, have that kind of conversation and safeguard yourself and safeguard your own kind of thoughts about it. Um, and it's kind of like, I guess I cr- tried to create, create a safer space in the queer community to kind of continue that discussion. Um, and I've kind of done it with Middlesex Pride as well, because um, the idea of it was to have uh, those kind of like immigrant communities that exist around Middlesex, like. Hounslow and Southall and Hayes and all those areas uh, to realize that, you know, the queer community is beyond sexual acts and to actually like, you know, have a form of education behind it. Um, So I kind of like, I guess it's twofold. It's kind of opening up the idea that queer identity isn't like sexual acts, but also to talk about sexual acts and the kind of like complexity behind it. which is kind of quite difficult to balance. But uh yeah, so I guess those are the kind of two reasons. I don't even know if that made sense. No,
5: that was perfect. Thank you. Anna?
1: Yeah, I think um some of what I think also feeds into that. Um just to kind of go back to how I started writing about sex and dating in the first place. I think as somebody who was like <sighs> don't want to say like aggressively dating but just like dating a lot like it was just something I was spending a lot of my free time doing um I just felt like there wasn't any I couldn't really read anything that really spoke to my experience of like dating men and women and kind of moving through like like heterosexual dating scenarios but also dating women and there being it just being like a very different like culture and a very different type of date and like having all these really different experiences and like trying to navigate that because I think within sort of lifestyle media you have like there are like queer publications um like fringe kind of fringe publications that you can read or then you have like mainstream publications that mostly cater to like Uh, I guess like heterosexual like sex and dating articles and stuff. Um, So I think, yeah, I just wanted to like write more about all types of dating and in a way all types of like sex and dating and bring that into like a fairly mainstream space of vice. Um, Because we'd have we would have a lot of like uh, straight women writing about like straight sex and dating, but I think um, I have like a friend on vice editorial who is um, who basically only dates women so we'd together we would write like some kind of fun content and I think it was just more about like being somewhere where a mainstream place where like people could actually come and read about like all different types of sex and dating and it not necessarily being like a kind of um I can't put my finger in, not like necessarily like a safe space, but just being like a mainstream space where you could come and read this stuff without it being necessarily like a queer publication. Um, But yeah, as I've gone on, I've done more like editing and stuff. Um, And now I'm more careful to like, I like commission queer writers and trans writers and try to make sure that we're it's more about like the the writers that I'm commissioning and like the subjects that I'm commissioning as opposed to my own writing. Um, I just think that's really important because like you mentioned that trans article that I did um, and that was like kind of touching on like some of the Guardian's coverage of um, trans issues which I think we'd all kind of spoken about in house and a lot of it was spoken about widely on Twitter and among, um, like the trans community, community is being like fairly unpalatable and so i think like being the kind of publication where we can run something like that where we're like criticizing the guard, the guardians like coverage of stuff is really important and just showing that like if um if more if like really mainstream publications are being hostile to trans people um and queer people then at least we're we might not be that bigger space, but we're at least like creating some room for those types of conversations.
0: That's really important. Yeah, um, we're going to look at now. Um, do you think it's different for, for Hannah as well? Um, do you think it's difficult to balance presenting female sexuality in a healthy, positive way and presenting in like a more of a clickbait way? So obviously, you want people to read the content, but you also want it to be seen as like you know a healthy
4: outlook.
1: yeah like that's basically the entire crux of like my life (laughs) and my job is like creating things like obviously we have to hit targets um and make sure that we're yeah like you'd be like really surprised and it's not necessarily that much my job actually it's more my like boss above me who looks into all of these kind of like gross things like targets and hits and um, the time that people spend at, on that, like each article of actually reading it. Um, but yeah, like that's why I think often you'll see pieces, especially like on Vice, but on other, like through other publications as well, where like the, maybe the, uh, the headline will be something like, um, all the like women you've been on a date with as a queer person or like a queer woman. Um, and it might be something that's quite like clickbaity but when you go into it then you can you know it's way more nuanced than that Um, and I think that that's kind of it's always a really difficult thing to balance Um, and I think that's also it, it goes from like the editors as an editor it's a really difficult thing to balance because you're often you're dealing with like a right if it's something I've commissioned, then you have a writer who doesn't, no one wants these like clickbait titles to exist. Um, so it's about like getting something that intrigues somebody, like intrigues a reader on social media, but also like makes the writer feel comfortable and feels reflective of the thing that they've written. And also like, usually it's not even like, so for example, I'm commissioning and editing things but like I don't get a final say on what the headline is. That will be like a boss above me, and it will be like a social editor. So there are so many different, um, there are so many different people who are seeing that kind of stuff. Um, but I think yeah, that is always a difficult thing. But you, all, I do sometimes think that as long as you get some eyes on something, you can make something that can be really powerful and really amazing. Um, like for example, this week. Just gone, yeah, this week just gone. Um, I commissioned um, Sean Fay, who is this really amazing um, trans writer who I'm sure like loads of you have read her stuff before, Um, but it was coming up to the year anniversary of COVID. Um, So I got her to write an essay about her last year of like being single in a pandemic. Um, And she wrote like an amazing, amazing essay that's really like beautiful. Um, but yeah, obviously even something like that, that has to have a headline that is quite like click baiting and, and kind of gets a lot of those key words in because otherwise it might be the most beautiful thing in the world. But if it's it's sad, but like if it's not click, if the headline isn't clicky, then no one's even gonna get to read it anyway. Um, so yeah, it's just a balance and it is a really difficult one to. Hit.
5: I, I read the article and it was it was absolutely beautiful. Was, so nice, isn't it? It was yeah, right in the heart. Um, so I'll open this up to everyone I think now. But you've, you've spoken about you know making sure that those articles are you know portraying sexuality in a good way are out there. But why do you think that's so important? And what what do you sort of do to try and make sure that your articles you know, pick basic headlines or not, kind of have that um that good content that kind of helps normalise things and is talks about sexuality in a healthy way. Um. Should we go for Annie Lunt first?
3: Yeah. Um, I guess just because the media so, um, ooh, like shapes everyone's conversations and what they're, um, and how they're thinking about things. And also what Hannah was saying earlier about, um, you know, just making people feel like they're completely normal. Um, like I wrote something about, um, I'd had like this situation loads of times where I'd been on Hinge talking to this guy. And then when it came up to the point where you'd sort of meet up and have sex, they just, disappear and I wrote like something about like um how men they don't even want to have sex anymore because they sort of treat sex sometimes as a kind of gamified thing and like a kind of numbers numbers sort of game um so that once they know you're you actually want to that they're, they're not really as interested anymore and um I just at first I was like I'm really making myself sound a bit lame that like I'm just like saying how I've been rejected loads of times but I got so many messages of people saying oh yeah this has happened to me loads and it made me feel less alone but yeah I just think um, it's it's important because it just allows you to reach out and then you can talk about how you feel like that with your friends and then just creates like a healthier way of um, thinking about sex
5: yeah, great. Very really good. I've also read the article, and it was excellent. Um, oh. Sarah, <laughs> and you want to go next? Oh, by the way, everyone who's watching, um, if you guys want to start putting questions in the chat that you have, um, that'd be great. We're going to try and get some audience questions at the end. But sorry, Sarah. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry, my mute button's gone all
2: weird. Um, sorry, what was the question again?
5: Um, it was just why do you think it's so important to have. Positive portrayals of
2: sexuality in the media. Um, well, I guess because of like um, my magazine, uh, *Burnwoodi*, we we tend to like publish stories by South Asian women a lot about their experiences, um, and so we've had a couple of um, essays that have done really well about South Asian uh, Muslim women and like queer Muslim women and about their experiences. And I guess there's a lot of kind of like, I guess stereotypes, a lot of them negative around uh, Muslim women and then like having any kind of queerness around that. And so it's about kind of like destigmatizing that by saying like, you know, there's thousands of stories, thousands of different ways of people to exist um, outside of what your idea of it is. Um, and I, I guess it's kind of important for like a lot of independent like publishers to give that platform for people. Um, I find that a lot of the people that come to Burnwood say that, you know, nowhere else will publish these stories. Uh, because, you know, there's, I guess like, you know, writing an article that where you want to make sure it's a safe space as well, because Bounty has created this kind of like arena of safety where when I came out in an article as well, in magazine, everyone was just like, okay, cool. We could like talk about stuff here as well. Uh, I think a lot of the time people are a bit scared about going somewhere else to publish things. outside of like, you know, South Asian spaces. Um, But it's kind of that attempt to normalize it. And so it gets shared across like all different people, different cultures for loads of different people to read and kind of understand. And it kind of opens the doors for other people to be like, okay, maybe we should be talking about things like this. Because I guess a lot of the time people don't think about that, right? You don't like, unless you are Muslim and queer, like how often are you like, I wonder what it's like to be Muslim and queer, right? You don't, it doesn't like come into your head. And then when those things come across you somehow through a retweet or a share or whatever, and then it kind of like, I guess, comes part of your life and your understanding and you kind of g- gain more knowledge. But it's it's not just beneficial for that person or that community. It's beneficial for you as well, because that kind of like helps you grow as a person. Um, so, yeah, I, I that's kind of like the way that Burton and Woody's kind of done it is just like publish as much as possible for South Asian women, especially queer women, um, just to get their voices out there
5: as a follow-up to that do you think that content around specifically south asian sexuality needs to be done in a certain way does it need to be like written a certain way or headlined with different pictures you know in terms of the actual presentation of the article or do you think it's just sort of the same as everything else but different sort of topics I'm not sure if that
2: makes sense <laughs> uh, no it makes sense it's interesting um I mean like I I guess with most things there needs to be a sense of sensitivity that comes with it when it comes to things like pictures and captioning and headlines, et cetera. Um, I work very closely with my writers. So whenever they send something, I tell them what the headline's gonna be. Um, I ask them if this pitch is okay. I mean, we're independent, we're small. Um, It's just me running everything, but you know, the submissions that come in, they're not as regular as big publications. So I have the time to do that. I guess like you know if if every other major publication has someone allocated to sensitivity then there is that ability to contact writers and say you know as you are Muslim and queer we're thinking of going with this image, is this okay or is it disrespectful in some way, let us know, Um, but it is quite difficult to do. I haven't really seen much but that's the thing like i can't i don't have anything to compare it with because i haven't really seen that much i have seen like a few things but i haven't seen that much to be like oh they've done it all wrong um there just needs to be an open communication with the writers about their own personal experiences because it is like a personal essay and it comes from a place where they need to find safety because they don't have the safety to talk about it um so there needs to be that kind of element of sensitivity
5: Okay, thank you, that's really interesting. Uh, so if we go back to the sort of original question, which is about how, why we think it's so important to portray female sexuality in a positive light. Anna, do you want to answer that one? Dad to peer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, I think for me, the most important thing is to educate in the sense that we, our young women need to know that sex is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable because god knows they're not getting that education at school you know and when i think i said it in my um opinion piece about zoella but i feel like when people aren't getting that kind of education in school they're going to look for it elsewhere and they need to be looking at trusted sources because we i mean i'm i'm we're pretty much in the generation that kind of turned to um porn for sex education and i think that it's it's it would be easier to kind of, and, and better, to kind of turn to articles from, you know, magazines and publications that you already read. I mean, I remember reading a lot from, like, Ms. and Cosmo and all of those, like, teeny magazines. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just so important for, well, for everyone, really, to, to realise that sex is ultimately supposed to be fun, it's healthy, it's a good thing, and... Um, it, you know, when we kind of listen to the stigma and when we, when we have this idea of what, of what sex is meant to be like, but it's like a negative light. It's like sex is supposed to hurt. You know, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, especially for, for people who have vaginas. Um, We kind of don't really pay attention. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go and seek help for my vaginismus until two years into realising that maybe it was an issue and I know that there are so many other pain disorders surrounding sex that go undiagnosed and it's it's really sad because those are the kind of that that's the kind of thing that we miss when we when we perceive sex in a certain way but yeah okay,
5: great and Hannah do you want to answer one I if you sort of already did but you have anything else to say <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I've said everything. Um, yeah, I sorry, I don't think I have that much to add to that. Oh,
0: um, I'll move on to the next question. But um, looking at how, um, do you, so do you think? Um, like, like combining your dating life and your work, how has that been? Are there any like major downsides to, you know, you might go on a date and think, oh, that'd be really good for an article. Is there any downsides to like mixing your work life with something that's really, really personal to a lot of people that don't combine it with their work, would you say? I'll go to Annie first, I think for that one.
3: Okay. Um. Yeah, like I'm a really unprivate person. So I don't find it embarrassing um, a lot of the time if- I'm, I don't know, like talking about a blowjob or something, but I've had like a few, what really embarrasses me is like, um, when I've written about a friend that I've slept with or something, I've had a few like cringy things where we've been in like a group chat together and I've written in loads of detail about it. And then one of my other friends like screenshotted the article and, um, I, and it wasn't the sex part. It was me going into loads of like really soppy details about like what his room looked like. And then um, his brother was in it as well. And he's like, oh, like the way he you grabbed your hand, said this. And I was like, oh, I felt like I was in school again. That was really horrible. Um, yeah, and I've had like, I've written, I wrote something about a guy from school and I didn't think he'd see it because no one has Twitter. Um, but he rang me and was like, oh, who's this Jamie guy? Like, he sounds really funny. Um, and that was really mortifying. So I think, yeah, it is starting to get a bit cringy, but I've, the thing that I found quite nice is um, like men seem to really like being written about. I was so worried that they'd be like really um, annoyed that I've done that, but I think it really brushes their egos. <laughs> as long as you make it sound quite sexy, they seem to really like it. Um, so it's not been a problem in that sense, but it can get a bit icky. And it's weird because then that person knows how you're thinking, at that time um you obviously when you're dating people you want them to be all mysterious and like um but you can't really do that if you're writing about you I suppose it's that's kind of a good thing as well it makes you more honest but <laughs> it makes you uncomfortable
0: Hannah Vanderpage you want to go for that one
3: agree with
4: Annie like men there is nothing that men love more than being written about like (laughs) the amount of times that I've been for some reason it's like more on hinge than any of the other apps but like I always get men or I always used to get men, because I'm dating someone now but I always used to get men messaging me being like oh you're a sex journalist do you uh want to write about me no no (laughs) because you're probably not that memorable anyway um the other side of it is that men can be quite intimidated by it i've found um i think the person that i'm dating at the moment has been like i'm afraid to tell my parents about what you do because they're gonna think that's not right and i was just like it's just a career and um it's it is it is tricky because not not everyone especially the older generation understands it really and um yeah it's it's a controversial career path um but then I suppose the other side of it is that it can get too much um, I do have men who kind of think that I am automatically interested just because that's what I choose to write about and I think that's probably the worst thing about it is that it's like not to get too kind of deep but it's, it's almost like consent is assumed because I'm an open book and I like to talk about sex in general, as well as uh, in my work Um And that,
0: yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) That's really interesting, yeah, that, yeah, it seems quite difficult to juggle that. Um, Sharon, did you want to have a comment on that one?
2: Uh, Yeah, like, uh, I guess, so I wrote a couple of articles about my relationship. uh, And then it ended, (laughs) like right after. Um, you know, that whole kind of like outpouring of love and that kind of thing. Then suddenly you're just like, oh, like this article's up now and, you know, we're over. This is so embarrassing. Um, there's the kind of like, you know, putting your relationship and your life up in the forefront for everyone to like comment on. And then suddenly when like things go bad, you're just like, how dare you ask me questions? It's about my relationship and it's like you literally wrote three articles about it Sharon um so it's that kind of balance of like you know do you talk about it when it's fun and then do you talk about it when it sucks as well like you know wh- where do you find that balance um so that's kind of been a bit difficult um but like things with like having an only fans has been really annoying because like I don't actually write that many articles about sex and dating, I just do it Liz. Um, And I think people are just really aware of that. And then having an OnlyFans as well, I think people think that, you know, they can just, I don't know, slide in my DMs with like a cockpit or something and I'm just like, what? No, you know, I just because I have an OnlyFans, like you see me, I don't see you, that's kind of the point. Like I don't wanna see your body um but there's loads of assumptions because I am kind of like really sexually open I talk about sex all the time that I'm gonna want to have sex with everyone and it's like mm, I am super picky um but yeah so that's kind of it's kind of a bit difficult to like manage cis men essentially
0: Hannah what would you say about that
1: um I would only say that um so I've never written about when I've been in relationships I would never write about them but that's just a personal choice like I think I'm like really open in the things that I write if I am writing about something personal but as an actual person I'm not open at all like I'm really private um which yeah kind of means that like when I do write about something it's like either because it's something like fun and frivolous and I like feel like writing about it. Like if it's dating, when I've written about those things, it's because I've like really enjoyed them. And like, I don't really have anything to hide. And I'm just like, yeah, it just feels like something I want to write about. But when you're writing about, and so yeah, like I kind of echo what everyone else has said. Like, I don't really, I've never really had a problem with people that I've been dating. kind of feeling weird that kind of weird about it I don't think um but yeah I think um in terms of like relationships I've never written about I don't think I've written much about longer term relationships just because I think it's the same with any relationship where whether it's like family friends you those are like really precious to you right so like you have to be careful when you're writing personal writing and you have to like choose. I think every writer who writes anything that's personal, like you have to choose what your boundaries are and what you feel comfortable with. And for some people like, you know, I really like a a writer called Rachel Cusk and she writes loads of stuff. She's an older writer, but she's written about her kids and like her husbands and all kinds of stuff. um, And there are like no boundaries. And i think it's just a personal thing you just have to like know what it is you feel comfortable about sharing with everybody
5: great thanks guys um so we're going to do one more question and then go to some of the audience questions we've got some really good ones coming in um so this is just a big question about the future so you know just let's go for quite um metaphorical answers maybe but what do you think the future of female sexuality in the media is um and how do you think that we can improve representation until one day we live in a big sexy feminist utopia um let's go for hannah van der oh gosh <laughs>
4: um i think definitely just talking about it i mean i think god it's I don't want to say wipe out the older generation but um (laughs) no I feel like just talking about it and getting it out there as much as possible I mean it seems so obvious but actually there really aren't that many kind of journalists and writers who are specifically dedicated to sex and dating and that's like their niche and their beat and um that's all they put out and I feel like we need more like we need more of those up-and-coming journalists to put this information out there and just normalize sex as much as possible. When I was, um, when I was on the BBC um, talking about vaginismus, I remember I spent hours, I know it's awful, but I remember spending hours just scrolling through the comments and it was loads of people just saying to me, this is a conversation that you needed to have just between you and your GP. <laughs> you didn't need to have this conversation with 66 million people. And I just remember thinking, but that's not, that's not progress, you know? It's, people aren't having that conversation with their doctors and that's the point. That's why I'm going and speaking about it and raising awareness as much as possible. And yeah, that's pretty much all my advice. <laughs> Just talking about it. I think that's probably a really
5: good thing to do. I'm trying to get you next.
2: Sorry. <laughs> My name and it didn't click for some reason. Um, I think there needs to be like more guidelines. I think uh, there are some that have been done, I oh, completely forgot their name. I was actually part of it and I've completely forgotten the name, um, about how to report against domestic violence against women and like how you set up headlines, how you display stories and photographs and stuff like that. Um, and I think that will help a lot of journalists that kind of like are coming into the industry as well um like young people as well that are kind of like reporting on certain things how to do it with sensitivity I think there needs to be a lot more kind of sensitivity um and I think like yeah guidelines that are created by women um by like by women by sex workers by trans women like you know how how not to like talk about about us kind of thing, you know? Um, how not to insult us. Um, I think that's like super helpful and like actually created by those people instead of like created on behalf of them. I think that will really kind of like help kind of form a better world of reporting in the media. Great.
5: Right, yeah, that sounds really good too. Um honey you, in, you gonna
1: go next. Um yeah um So in terms of like future stuff, yeah, I think like in the UK specifically, there is like such a lack of good journalism on like sex work and the issues that sex workers face essentially. Um, And yeah, and I think that a lot of mainstream publications just like don't know how to engage with those issues. Um, And even in like less mainstream Places. even with us, like we have one editor who commissions specifically on those kind of issues. Um, but she's just like one person, and you know, she's just doing her best. So like we need more editors who know about those things and we need more writers who can educate themselves on those things or like are coming from those spaces. Um and also I noticed that someone put in the in the QA about like coverage of asexuality and I think yeah that's like another area where I don't see a lot of um of coverage and I think that it be- it's because like these things come in waves right like it becomes like normalized and I speak as someone who's definitely been a part of this of like it n- being normalized for people to, like women to basically do like horny funny writing on the internet and be like kind of grotesque about it and that's like know that's one way women being able to talk about these things on the internet then there's like you know women straight women being able to do that like then you get queer women being able to talk about these things and then I think like there are these other different issues that cross over with those types of writing which like you know the internet has like a really short attention span and kind of discourse comes in these waves and there isn't space to have all these conversations at the same time. And so I think like asexuality is definitely something that I think will have it's like not to say like moment in the sun, but I think like it will have this time, like this space for people to be like paying attention and like educating themselves on it. So I think that will definitely happen like soon. Yeah, hopefully it will. (laughs) Um, Annie, do you wanna go next?
3: Yeah, um, I was thinking like um, the nicest thing that's happened since having a column is not having to have like a really strong news hook onto something and like having every idea to um, be topical. And I think that that's quite limiting a lot of the time. Like, I don't know, everyone's like talking about situationships and then it's like this thing and you know, it's quite nice having like a slower thing. And I also think, I've really enjoyed um, Olivia letting me write in a like less, um, she gives me a lot of, the word count can be a bit longer or a bit shorter and um, she'll, I can write about any topic and it doesn't have to be like intro, explaining the general argument, like three paragraphs already well booked up with evidence and then they like conclusion. And I think women would have um, a lot really interesting things to say and ways of saying it if they were given a bit more freedom and um, how they, it as well
0: that's great thank you i'm going to move on to some of the attendee questions and i'm going to let um eva ask her question um, hopefully this works hi can you hear me yes
1: <laughs> um so i just wanted to ask um about programs like sex education because i absolutely love that show on netflix and i wondered what your opinions were about and the coverage of sex on things like sex education, how important you think that is to the presentation of
0: female sexuality in the media in general? If anyone can go for that one, who wants to talk?
3: I mean, I feel like when I was watching that, I definitely learned, it helped me learn um, certain things. Like I remember the bit, there's a masturbation. Oh no, it's like when he's trying to like learn, um, ways of um touching women and he googles something and then it's really horrible yeah like I think it's so important because I watched that and I was like I've definitely had those weird google holes of like 10 best ways to like blah 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 um and yeah I just think again it comes back to like makes you feel way more normal and um comfortable in yourself and makes people more able to talk about it with their friends and stuff
2: yeah, I agree. I think it's really clever to do it that way. So like my sex education was like nothing. I think sex education really came in a wave after I left or like the year after my school something. I don't know what happened. I didn't even get a condom and a banana, whatever that people got. I don't know what it was. Um, we didn't really get anything. And I think it's clever now to form those kind of conversations on something that's as consumable as the Netflix show um and i think there needs to be more of that definitely because it's all about the kind of media that we are consuming at the moment and young people are on netflix we're in a pandemic we're not doing anything else um and these are the best ways to get messages across to people and i think it did it quite accurately um and quite kind of like it helped build more questions as well like it helped like build curiosity and i think that's really important Like, I think that like, you know, with a lot of ways that people talk about sex, especially like older people to young people, um, back in my day, like I'm a dinosaur or something, um, was kind of like to take away your curiosity, you know? And I really want people to have that back. Um, And I think shows like Sex Education really kind of helps with that.
0: Amazing, I think I'll move on to a question from Vicky about pitching. can you hear me yeah
4: perfect um
5: just wondering what advice you would give to someone who wants to pitch something about like sex or relationships for the first time especially if it is something quite personal um what advice would you give
1: um i would think if it was someone's first time like ideally um you would just have like a couple of it doesn't even need to be like um things that you have published on other publications, but literally if it's just your own blog or something, like I would just publish a couple of things yourself so that an editor can see that you like, you know, you have the capacity to write something, whether that's like an 800 word um, article on something to do with like sex and dating just to, yeah, just so they can click out. But yeah, I would, when you send a pitch, I always say to people like put pitch in the headline um because when I'm going through my inbox I at the end of the week like we do p- pitch meetings weekly which I think is quite like fairly normal for a lot of publications but I'll just like google pitch um google pitch I'll like put in my inbox like pitch and get all the pitches together um and just have your say pitch and then in a few words what you're what your idea is. And then in the body body of your email, put a couple of links to like other places where people can see your work and just explain like in a, in a paragraph or two, what it is that you want to write about um, uh, and kind of expand it a little bit in a few sentences. So if it was like, um, if it was like a personal essay, for example, um, say if it's like Annie's column about kind of to do with how men don't actually like sex, which was a great column. Um, Like you would put that in the pitch uh, as the subject header. Then you would kind of write like, hey, blah, 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 whoever their name is. um, I'd love to pitch to you about the fact that men, straight men don't actually seem to like sex that much. Um, And then have a paragraph about how you know this, where you've kind of found this out um whether you've had discussion like discussions with friends who have also had this experience um if it's going to be kind of like a funny article like maybe don't necessarily need to be making gags in like a pitch but like just show that you're like a light-hearted person um and put like your tone kind of get across your tone in your pitch and um yeah and like also I always really like it if a writer puts a few sentences in a different paragraph about like why they're the right person to write this? So like, if they're say like I'm a writer who's really interested in sex and relationships, and um, you know I'd love to write this because this is an experience I keep coming across like in my dating life. Um, I feel really passionate about this, and whatever it is, like show the show the editor that like this is that you're the right person to do this, and you're going to bring your own experiences to it. Um, Yeah, that's all I would say really. Um, And maybe just if you have an idea in mind of how long you want it to be and whether you want to speak to other people, like if you have sources or whatever, put that kind of like basic information in there too. Um, So don't make it a really short pitch and also don't make it a really long pitch, just like Goldilocks pitch of like a couple of paragraphs is fine.
0: That's really helpful, especially to people that want to get into this um, side of journalism. I'm going to go to our last question from an attendee. I'm going to go to Mila, I'm going to allow you to talk. Hi, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah. Um, so I'm 17 and I noticed around
5: kind of girls my age, there's this kind of tendency, I guess, or maybe a pressure to post kind of hyper provocative, maybe like more sexual kind of photos on social media. And I wonder, you know, it's kind of seen as like being body confident and empowering. And I wonder if you see, kind of, if there's a line between, you know, being objectified or maybe not intentionally being sexualized or whether this is empowering and maybe what that line is. I think uh,
4: personally, oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, no. Thank you. I think personally um I feel really strongly about this this is why I was like unmuting while you said that um there is a line um sex positivity is absolutely what you make of it and I think there can be pressure to be sex positive in a certain way and follow certain trends and honestly, it's so tailored to you, it's so individual, and I think that is the biggest misconception, is that if you are sex positive or body positive, you need to post nearly nudes on your Instagram, or, like, be really promiscuous, or, like, you know, but you don't, and you can be asexual and sex positive, it's all about, kind of, just supporting one another, and respecting everyone's choices, and... Yeah, I mean there is I think if you if you don't see that as empowering for yourself then you'd rather not kind of post bikini pics and what have you online that you don't have to do that, that that doesn't mean you're any less body positive or
2: sex confident.
0: Sharon did you want to
2: put something on there? Yeah, um well, Hannah's response is really good. Mine's going to be a bit rubbish. Um, I I think that there are different stages of life as well that kind of allow for something like that to happen to you. So like I am 36 and it was only like probably last year that I started posting pictures of me in like lingerie and being all sexy and stuff. And it came with um, my mental health and my body issues and my eating disorder and me needing to find forms of validation within myself to be able to see my body and then see a picture of my body um, on the internet and feel okay with it. And so it's kind of just, I guess, I didn't do that really before. And now I kind of am doing it now. Again, it was like the stage of my life that I'm at. And I think it kind of is very, it just depends on each individual's person's journey, I guess. Um, but yeah, like Hannah said, there are lines. There are definitely lines and there is definitely pressure. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't know as a no longer a young person, but I remember when I was young uh, and like the internet was like a thing back then, um, there was still like, you know, people post- posting pictures of themselves and stuff like that. But like the difference now is like the accessibility people get to use your images. So, like for example like I put some stuff up on OnlyFans and then uh, someone sent me a message saying oh I found your stuff on a porn site. Um, so it's about like you know there's always going to be a sense of harm within the internet because the internet itself is not safe um, so it's kind of just like is it worth it for yourself you know and I, I, I do those like I post those photos because it gives me wellness in that moment. Um, when it gets too harmful for me, then I'll back away. So there are like loads of lines, I suppose.
0: That's really interesting, thank you. And yeah, we have run over a little bit, so sorry to anybody who needed to go. Um, but thank you guys so much for being on this panel. We thought it was really important to have this conversation, this, You know, especially in what's been a year. I think a lot of people will be more open with what's going on, have a lot of time to think about themselves. You know, me and Serafina love talking about this sort of content. Um, So, yeah, it's been really, really good to talk to you. And thank you to everyone who came and attended.